Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. He's to the 45. He's oh, to the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. guys welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host Kami Amrabian joined by Stephen Brown and right beside me the lovely Brady Trantham. Hello I'm I, I just podcasted an hour and a half or two ago. Yeah what'd you what'd you guys talk about? Did you guys talk about uh, like basketball and golf? Yeah we didn't talk about anything OU football related. Well we actually did That's talk good. about OU stuff. We may I think we mainly talked about Scott Frost and that debacle. How can you cheat and still suck? That's that's a philosophical question that I hope we can answer before the end of the show. That's a good that's a good point. The whole point of cheating is sucking. to get better. Yeah. Yeah, and they what? They played what? 5 games last year, 6 games? Yeah. I mean, I, like the old Southwest Conference, all those teams were cheating and most of them still sucked. Except that SMU and then everything kind of went to hell, I suppose, but I mean how fucked is Nebraska? And turns out Scott Frost maybe isn't that good of a coach. <laughs> it, I mean, it hurts. He may not be a coach he, for very long. With cause. That's that's, that's true. Is Scott Frost like what? It makes me just think this because we talked about this the other day. What is what is the final score of the OU Nebraska game? And I think like the average score was around 40 to 17 and you threw out, you threw out uh, like 50 something to like 10 or something really like, like six touchdown favor. I mean, it should be something like comical. Like there's really no, there's really no, like the only reason why it becomes, let's say like a 42 25 game where it's obviously it's a dominant OU victory, but it's not as dominant as you would probably hope it would be. Uh Uh-huh is because the offense basically does what it did last year where they look great for a quarter and they go to sleep for a quarter or two and it allows Nebraska kind of like stick around. Like the, like the Kansas State game? Yeah. Like you have to bench Rattler and bring in Caleb Williams and then bring Thanks. Rattler back in. What's up, Davis, by the way? I don't know if you guys like say hi to the people on the on the little oh, thing yeah. right we, yonder. Hey, yeah. Uh, uh, good, good buddy Nick Crane here. Hi, Com. You're a big fan. And then he says he's got to go. <laughs> And then I haven't seen Nick in two years, I think. Like last time I saw him was in the Thunder locker room. <laughs> JJ Connett says, <laughs> Well, this is weird. <laughs> so having a having a good time, but was JJ supposed to be on the podcast tonight? Uh, maybe. And I, I bumped him off. Maybe one maybe one time. Maybe. Oh. It's possible. Was... Brady you know, this man, he he goes podcasts, he goes and works out. And then he comes over here to podcast again. Look, look, look at this troop over here. Man look of the people. This. I can see I can see his veins bulging out of these <laughs> biceps. It's impressive. You gotta get vascular. That's it's true. You know, that I, I hear that that's those opening up those airways is good for your blood flow. You know. Pull a Russell Westbrook. If you need to take pictures, go get a quick little pump. Like 30, 30 push ups, right? Yeah. You know, you know, I, I, I might have done that before. <laughs> I, I, I do the same. Take that daily. I took my first day back picture of work. I did 30 push ups <laughs> and, you know, uh, like a Jalen Hurts almost. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to You got to get it going. But you, sh- you should have had a, you should have had a squat rack at the uh, <laughs> at the boathouse for the wedding. 
<laughs> so as soon, as soon as you as soon as Before you did like I the do. ceremony, yeah. like then there should have been a video of you just squatting like you know two hundred. You know, it's true. Another day. It's true. It's, it's a special true. day, but it's another day. I don't do deadlifts. Those mess up my back. Do you do? Do you do deadlifts? Yes, and they uh, they scare me every time I do them. Yeah, yeah. Because like you just you got to do them slow. Don't do as much weight as you probably want to. Mm-hmm. Because if I stopped just... deadlifting after high school, I was like, I'm done with that one. Yeah, it makes me feel like an old man because every time I do them, I'm always like arching my back like this. So it's, it's I'm probably I'm talking probably doing them completely the, wrong. Probably. I did front squats a few weeks ago with our good friend friend uh, Peyton Guthrie. He came down and I did. It was the first time I did front squats since maybe I played football in high school. Mm-hmm. And oh, I mean, we, we, he's he's bigger than me. Yeah. You know, but, like even him, like the both of us, like we were leaving the gym that day, and we were just like, "Yeah, this ain't gonna be fun." Walking back, Peyton's Peyton's legs are bigger than two of my heads combined. Yeah, he's huge. He's Jack. He's yoked, and he's now a recurring guest on Inside OU and Through the Keyhole. Basically, also a lovely person. Yeah, he's, he's a very nice guy. Very, 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 just well, re- well read. He's well read. Yeah. Well, we're five minutes in the podcast, and we're just basically talking shit. I guess I guess we should talk to football. we we should talk about football. I mean, like, oh, what's up, dude? You're just pulling a Doug. You're just pulling Doug Gottlieb. There's there's you're just pulling a Doug, man. He said he said to us, "I thought I just answered that question, even though it was a completely different question, which I thought was also interesting, which I think goes to your theory, Stephen, that he was on painkillers due to that knee surgery." So. Um, I hope he recovers well, I suppose. But Oklahoma is in the top three of basically every single poll. As we've known, you've said it, Stephen. Brady has said it multiple times. I've said it. Preseason polls don't matter. Don't care. But the hype. The hype is there. Do we believe in the hype? Should we believe in the hype? Are there the reasons why we shouldn't believe in the hype? What do you guys think? I think you should believe the hype this season. I mean, you're going into a, a season where Oklahoma was the most complete football team they've ever been, at least in the past 12, 13 years, something like that. Um, you know, you have a dynamic offense, a lot of playmakers, um, a, a really, really good front seven. And then um, you look at that back end where they're still kind of filling in the question marks at safety and a uh, cornerback as well, but you have playmakers like DTY, but you also have guys like Justin Harrington that look the part of, of being that, uh, that game changer on the back end. Brady, do you, do you also believe in the hype or, or are there reasons why you might feel cautious? I mean, I think more years than not, basically every season I, I go into it and just kind of think, okay, how are we going to screw this up this time? Because I, I don't think, oh, you <laughs> Obviously, I don't think OU is going to win a national title every season, but more times than not, OU has the talent that if you look at their schedule and you just kind of think, well, if a few things go our way, they do have resources to win a national title. Basically, in, like on, on paper, any season. Like mm-hmm. there are reload years, yeah. of course. There yeah, are course. times where there are quarterbacks that aren't as talented as they need to be. So, like there there are reasons, but in most years, they have the resources to do it. But I just kind of go, okay, what? where are we going to screw up this time? Like I've seen this movie before this season. Like I've said it on the podcast a handful of times. Like I'm, I'm very relaxed about this year and I'm to the point where it's like, I believe I, I want to believe and I'm ready to be hurt. I'm ready to be absolutely <laughs> uh, broken hearted and put, put myself out there. And then Kansas state beats OU for the third year. In a row. But, no, I mean, but even with that, like, yeah, there's always the chance that there's an inexplicable loss. There's always the chance where OU just doesn't have a good day. But I think now, with the depth, with the defense at where, where it is now, third year under Alex Grinch, all those guys in the system, and now a lot of these offensive guys who really got their first foray into big-time football last year without having a spring and a summer and a fall, you know, they had that year of experience. Plus, they they saw that, hey, when we're not even ball, we win the conference. So that should help the confidence Yeah. that when they do have their inevitable game where first half just doesn't go their way, it's not over because the depth is there. The talent is there. We've already seen this team recover from two straight losses. So they should look back at last season as just more than just being a springboard into this year, but just as an example of how 
truly talented and special this team could potentially be. So like from a fan standpoint, yeah, I, I believe the hype. I, when I see OU in the top three and whatever poll you want to talk about, I'm just like, yeah, they, they deserve to be there. I don't know why they, if you don't think they should deserve to be there, then you just, you're thinking emotionally, not logically. And one of the things I noticed is, of course, the team got better as the year went on. I felt like at the beginning of the year, they didn't know how to win. It reminded me of that 99 team where they would get out to leads and even double-digit leads and then just blow it, especially at the game in South Bend at Notre Dame. They were all celebrating, high-fiving on the, on the sideline. Oklahoma had d- double-digit leads in the Iowa State game, in the Kansas shit, the Kansas State game, they had a 22-point lead Oh, we can well. say We can say shit on this thing? Oh, you can say shit. You can say whatever ass. you want. Fucking yeah, A, yeah. hell yeah. Well, not whatever you want, but... Yeah, you're not, not yeah, you know, you know. Have you got, you guys have done a podcast between Gottlieb and me, right? Or was Gottlieb your last one? Gottlieb's the last one. So it's, it's a, yeah. first of all, it's a great honor for Doug Gottlieb to open up for me. I just want to put it's, that it's out true. there. So <laughs> thank you. Like, go support Doug Gottlieb. He's great. But... You could see the team actually maturing throughout the year, but then you have other talking heads that say, I mean, well, Oklahoma, they barely skated by Iowa State once they figured it out in the second half, and then they beat a Florida team that was at half strength. What would you say to those guys that say, well, Oklahoma, yeah, they're a good team. They're above average. They're a top 10 team, but they're still not where they should be anywhere maybe defensively or offensively to compete for and at like against an Alabama despite Oklahoma receiving I think three to four five six first place votes in comparison to Alabama's 42 first place votes well yeah, I think it all comes I, down to quarterback right because you're returning court, the most yeah. yeah the most important position in football is quarterback I think with OU, and we kind of know this since we podcast about them all off season, and you get to a point where there are times where there are things to talk about because news just drops out of nowhere. But for the most part, we've been doing the same song and dance all off season where we know that this guy is going to be good. We know that this guy is going to be good, and we base it off of what we saw last year, and we also base it off of they had a relatively normal off season to develop, to continue to develop and build into the season. But at the same time, we're still talking about things that they have to go out there and prove. So for three, four, five months, we've just been sitting here saying the same stuff, and we have to wait. So anybody that says something like, yeah, Oklahoma, go prove it against Alabama, go prove it against Clemson or Ohio State in the on a playoff stage, that's fine. Like That has its place, too, because OU hasn't proven it yet. So not only do they have to navigate their schedule and at least, you know, win, at least lose one game so they can get to the Big Hole Championship, and when that get to playoff potentially, like they should go undefeated. But um, if they navigate their schedule, then they'll have the opportunity to really put to rest all that chatter that's going on against them right now. But if, unfortunately, that's months away from now. They have a lot to do and a lot to prove. Does it feel like that it's been over 20 years since Oklahoma has last actually won a national title? Does yes. it actually feel 20 years? Yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm 30, I'm about to turn 31 in a few months, and I was 10 when they won it. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel every bit of 20 years older. <laughs> do, you, do you guys even remember that game, the specifics of that game, or do you feel like you didn't remember your parents <laughs> celebrating? I remember my dad. I remember my dad because, what was it, the first or second play? I think it was the first play. Florida State had like a 38-yard pass. Yeah. My dad just went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it for Florida State, basically. Right. Their entire offense was just that one play, and then OU sniffed them out, and that rest was history. Steven, do you remember that game, or was it like um, you were just with family, parents, what? Whatever? I was just with family. I don't really remember specifics. I remember like the, the Quentin Griffin – uh, rushing mm-hmm. touchdown. Um, I more remember like what happened afterwards, um, like how big of a deal it was. I think Bob Stoops was going like every every story could just to take a picture with the uh, the crystal ball in front of fans and that kind of that stuff. Sears so, trophy, yeah, it was yeah. Sears. Yeah, yeah that it was, was Sears. That's what it was. That was sweater vest, Bob Stoops, with mm-hmm. no hat. He put a hat on later in the fourth quarter, but he it was a different look. It was. It was but, a typical uh, Bob Stoops look. Yeah, as far as like the specifics and kind of like being that engaged in the game, I don't really remember it that well. I just remember after OU beat the hell out of Texas, my dad was like, listen, 
we're OU fans officially now. We're going to watch every single game and then just being my dad is like elated when the game happens. He's like, so I want to see that happen as an adult to have that same feeling. Cause as a kid, like you're just like, Oh, it's sweet. It's awesome. But yeah, as an adult, it's a totally different euphoric feeling, but what's not euphoric is losing three of your top wide receiver recruits <laughs> in the 2022 class. I mean, you've got, what? Oh Talon, no. Yeah, Talon Shetron. Of course, that's a thing. You probably you can't We're gonna call him Talon now. Yeah. Talon. Yeah. Talon shed on, uh, you can't, <laughs> Taylor shed on OU. Taylor shed on OU. Give his brother a scholarship, Lincoln. <laughs> and, and you can't do stuff like that, especially if you're OU, because you're not going to take two and a half star guys or, you know, five star hearts, but one and a half star guys. Unless they're 6'2, six, 6'3 six, out of Florida and their name's Danny Dutzman. That's And true. Brian Odom is like, no, we're getting this guy. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. care what you th- say about BCR. And, and the Shetron stuff reminded me of the. Oh, who was the kid from Oklahoma that went to UCLA instead? They wouldn't. Worry Boku. War, yeah, Worry Boku. Yeah, that, Josh Worry Boku and they, they, whatever his brother's they name was. His brother and but Shetron is a much better talent. You lose Hudson to SMU, which I don't think that recruitment's done. I highly doubt he ends up at SMU. And then Luther Burden, instead of going and playing for a Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons, where wide receiver, it's a very wide receiver friendly offense where you're going to catch a lot of balls, get a lot of touchdowns, get a lot of open field routes. You're opting for Missouri and Georgia and Brady brought up a good point before we even started podcasting is when does a, you start, start cheating sec style. (laughs) Did I say that? (laughs) <laughs> like, do do they do it now when they get there? Like, they got to get that patch on first. Why, to, why doesn't this happen? That patch just means immunity. Just don't get. You probably have to it, wait. But it means more. It means more. It's like a more. Because don't you have like a like a huge target on you by other coaches right now? They're like, man, I I might not be coaching uh, power five ball because of you guys. So, I think there's a little bit of a target there. I don't think you can just hand out the happy mills just yet. Or if you're well, Alabama, it wouldn't be just Happy Meals. It'd be hand out all the cars. You, know, you get, you get, you could hand the cash in a, a bag of five Brahms burgers worth five dollars, which I don't necessarily trust. But it's very un Oklahoman of me to not trust a bag of five Brahms burgers. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame Sonic isn't a local company anymore because I That's mean that true. would just be kind of in and out, very easy, very yeah. efficient. Here's your Coney, and here's twenty five grand. Exactly. No questions asked now. Yeah, and you, you put the chili on and, top of the hundred. But then the recruits are like, dude, I asked for cheese tater tots, not French fries. I asked for cheese fucking tater tots. But the good thing now <laughs> is that like big red sports and imports, they could just say, hey, we struck a deal with so and so. And a Rhett Bomer is like rolling in his grave right yeah. now, like, oh, yeah, they were just ahead of their time. Have this, yeah, Rep Bomar is coaching some junior high kid, calling him a pussy right now. I don't think Rep Bomar might have a job right now. Yeah, kind of heard he was in right. some I trouble. Feel, I feel bad for Rep Bomar. I, I, I just remember there was like a little ESPN mini doc about him, like once he was at uh, what Sam Houston State, mm-hmm. and he showed general remorse for what had happened. Like he he seemed to like much be mature about it, and mm-hmm. he made it he made something of himself. He was really good at SMU. He had a cup of coffee in the NFL for about four or five years yeah. as a backup with the Giants. Yeah, so I mean, I'm sure he's doing fine for himself, but he. He at least showed some remorse and some maturity about the whole situation, whereas J.D. Quinn was trying to like burn every bridge I remember possible. That. Like, they all take steroids. Why not? Why are they throwing off? You idiot, shut up. It's true. And, and what makes me think about any of this is that all the players, for all the people that I know that were around that time, everybody was doing it. I think they were, they were just upset they got caught. Every, of course, anybody would be upset they get caught. But with the Luther Burden stuff, especially the Luther Burden stuff, because he's you know he's like a top fifty recruit, best receiver in the country. Is this teenagers just being teenagers during, after a pandemic year where they can go visit wherever the hell they want, or is this just the nature of high level recruiting? What like, what is is it is it a gray area in between? Is it something else? Like what are your guys' takes on this? I'll let Stephen go first. He's the rec- he's the recruiting expert. <laughs> True. He is. I think there's somewhere. I think it's somewhere in the middle for that one. Um, on one end, you're going to take a risk as far as recruiting a highly rated player like um, like Luther Burden. You're going to run that risk, especially not having a quarterback um, that he's going to be recruited nonstop until he signs that that letter of intent. So 
Um, you know, if you're recruiting maybe a three-star guy and you're Oklahoma, you feel pretty solid because um, not many people are going to challenge you there. But, you know, the number one receiver in the country, everyone's me knocking on his door. Everyone's me talking to him. Um, so that battle's just never going to end until you, until you sign him. On the other hand, I mean, these guys really haven't taken visits in, what, you know, a year and a half pretty much. Yeah. And now it's a whole new world. Now they can go anywhere they want. They can see the coaches. They can engage with, um, you know, people they haven't really been able to engage with before. So that's just teenagers being teenagers. So um, I really don't think it's it's OU's fault there. Obviously, they ran the risk. Um, really, the only thing that you could blame OU for is not really having a backup plan in this situation. You're not um, – as far as I know, not really recruiting any other receivers at the moment. Um, so I really don't blame them for a burden, but also you have to stay on your toes. You have to have a backup plan. I mean, there, there are multiple ways you can look at it, but to what Steven was saying, like that, that's all well and good. And I think it's a good plan to have just overall, like as a philosophy, but you can also kind of look at that and say, well, if they're talking to other players, potentially that scares like their main catch away. Mm-hmm. So like, this is kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation. But I kind of like where OU's at in a weird way with their recruiting. Um, they're obviously trying to go after the big fish. And when you go for the big fish, you're going to miss sometimes. And if you're missing because of a lack of attention to detail, a lack of success on the field, a lack of development in the program, that's where there's some problems. If you miss out on these examples, it's just kind of the byproduct of going after big fish because – they hear a lot of things. They get told a lot of different things by different people, by family members, by friends, by trainers, recruiters. And now NIL is a whole big th- part of this. Um, who knows? I mean, we've all kind of made our assumptions in Georgia cha-ching, about what's going on. But I think at the end of the day, when you swing for the big fish, when you go after the big fish, you're going to miss. And this is just, I think Lincoln Riley and staff, it's kind of their first kind of example of, being a victim of their own success and how do they adapt from that? How do they overcome that is going to be interesting to me because this is a very, a very adaptive coaching staff. Lincoln Riley is a very adaptive coach and personality. So I'm inclined to assume that, yeah, this is a bummer, but we're going to be fine. Um, you can also look at it from the standpoint of this recruit, this receiver class would have been sandwiched between probably a few very talented players coming back next season mm-hmm. Not to mention Mario Williams, who looks to be like an exciting talent at the receiver position. Marvin Mims is going to be coming back. Drake Stoops will be back. Theo Weiss, for all we know, could come back. And so you're going to be sandwiched in between a lot of returning starters and then the 23 recruiting class for at receiver, which appears to be, like at least on paper, better than this one potentially could have been anyway. So I can see like a, a Luther Burden looking at that situation going, uh, there's more consistent playing time at either of these two programs. And then also the other thing, I think, if you want to be optimistic still about Luther Burden or whoever else, recruiting doesn't end with the national uh, letter of intent anymore. There is such thing sure. as a transfer portal. So I think it's in OU's best interest to never burn bridges when a kid changes their mind because they might go to SMU, they might go to Georgia, and when they realize the grass isn't greener on the other side, Hey, we've got Caleb Williams and Malachi Nelson. You want to catch passes from them? Exactly. Come on over. And that's one of the big things Lincoln has been perpetuating is that he never burns bridges. When Bob was there, that dude burned all the bridges. Oh, yeah. Like, you go to like, the Jalen Rager situation. Rager said, like, oh, if you go to TCU, you can go fuck yourself. That's pretty much <laughs> what they told him. Where did and, and did CeeDee Lamb commit somewhere else when he decommitted? Or did he just straight up decommit? He decommitted, and there were rumors of a couple A&M. trips, yeah, to A&M. And then he ended back with OU. And the thing I immediately thought of was what you said, Brady, was the 2023 class. Remember the Alamitos, right? (laughs) You have Malachi Nelson in two of the top wide receivers in the country. One of them already plays with him in the Makai Lemon. And you have the other one going to transfer to play with him as well. And those guys are juniors. They're going to get their junior season, their senior season to get all of those reps in, to get familiar with each other. And they're going to come in as well. And along with the other receivers that you already aforementioned about, just a ton of talent, a ton of depth, and a Lincoln Riley offense that maybe Luther Burden saw the writing on the wall was like, maybe I should go somewhere else where I can be the guy. 
and not have to worry about a Marvin Mims or a Mario Williams or a Theo Weese or a Hazelwood or Austin Stogner who's catching passes along with Makai Lemon and other guys. And I think that there's a lot of variables that play along with what you guys said about, I mean, Stutzman, shit, the dude saw campus, I think, maybe maybe once before he even made it to Norman officially. He's bigger than Lou Dort. He's huge. (laughs) It's insane. I, I mean, Ludor could be a good linebacker. Probably, I agree with this. With with 2022's recruiting class, like I, I really was excited about Luther Burden. So like, oh, you losing him is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, but it's like I said, it's something that can happen when you go after the big fish in recruiting. Like you can swing and miss. And the receiver position is quite frankly a position that I'm just never going to be worried about until I'm giving evidence to be. Uh, like questionable about it mm-hmm. under Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons and Kale Gundy, like that that position is just going to be fine. No matter if it's a highly recruited kid or a Miles Tease, Lincoln Riley is going to find guys, get them in space, and help and put them in uh, positions to succeed in this offense. So that's not a big deal. My whole thing about 2022 was if everything else fails, just please keep Raleigh Brown. And it seems like that it's pointing in that direction. It's still you know very early, but it's it's very convenient that he doesn't have a Friday night game before Nebraska and, and <laughs> just just as and, and I trust Link Riley and Dennis Simmons and just as long as you know nobody's pistol whipping anybody I feel I feel really oh. good oh, I feel no. really good about the wide receivers oh, at OU no. like running backs receivers off offense in general I think people should feel very good about and the defense is trending upwards and something I want to transition to speaking about Nebraska you talk about really Brown I came across this on the timeline, and I thought it was an interesting take, and I was kind of offended by it. I don't know why I was offended by it, because it wasn't really an offensive tweet in general. But this person, I can't remember who it was, suggested that Oklahoma and Oklahoma should not be commemorating the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. They shouldn't be making shirts about it because they lost that game. And I tried to explain. Uh, that's that's a take you can have, I guess. I, I tried to explain. Literally, it's still known as the game of the century, but they they still double down on. And I want to get your opinion on what you think about that statement because to me, it's more than just that game, right? It's Tom Osborne. It's Barry Switzer. It's playing for the national title every year and, or every other year that game determined the national outcome of what happened at the end of the year. That's what they're celebrating, not particularly just that game of the century, but what is your take on this? I think it's just, I think it has a lot more to do with just the rivalry itself because it's a very unique one. It's a rivalry that uh, for the better part of 20 years, basically the winner of that won the big eight, got to the orange bowl and then had a very good chance at winning a national championship. So, I mean, remember, the OU Texas rivalry was in the early 2000s where the winner of that game goes to the Big 12 championship and they have a very good chance of going to the national championship so that's what it was but for 20 years straight and OU obviously was on the winning end of the majority of those games but for the game of the century on top of all that it's a rivalry of respect there's really no animo- that much animosity uh, between the two fan bases between the two programs these are two schools that um, at one point communicated huh, about a lot of things in terms of just the logistics of the game, how the game should be played, uh, two programs that just respected each other. So have that, you have that reason why it, it's still fondly remembered uh, even by OU fans. There's the fact that the game itself was, it lived up to the hype. Yeah. And OU had, I mean, OU took the lead, they, they took the lead late, and then Nebraska just, I think they drove the field and kicked the field goal, and that was it. So it went about as well as you would want if you had to lose a big game. Right. Like, there have been times where, you know, I'm on a cleanse, but during Stoops' run, I, I would get to a point where if we're going to play in a national title game, like, can't we just can't we just lose a well-played, hard-fought game to a better opponent and not – you know, not shit the bed, not, not all of a sudden not USC. run the no huddle, not all of a sudden not run the no huddle against Florida because let's meerkat like that'll right. that'll show them. Right. Um, so it has that to it. And also, uh, just from a national standpoint, there are multiple games of the century. But OU Nebraska is no matter if it's been Keith Jackson, 
Brent Musburger, Brad Nessler, like guys that have called a thousand college football games over the years all over the country, they still recognize that, yeah, that was the game of the century. So it means more than just the game itself. And it's SEC now, so it uh, it does it does mean it just means more. <laughs> it does, Stephen. Same question, but do you also think it's weird that this was the game of the century a while back? They were in the same conference, and now it's one's in the Big Ten. Coach Frost is fucked, <laughs> and OU is on its way to the SEC. Does it give you a different vibe for this as well? A little bit, because you'd hope it'd just be a better game. You'd hope the circumstances around um, the game would be better for both programs. I mean, OU's probably sitting really pretty right now, but Nebraska, obviously not where they used to be um, uh, as, as a program. Scott Frost probably on his way out here pretty quick. Um, talent-wise, Nebraska just isn't there anymore. So um, game of the century, just a kind of like a 50th anniversary, probably going to be a blowout, which is going to be a little bit of a bummer because you'd hope for a good football game. Like you look at, um, like look at the Rose Bowl. Like that was an incredible football game between OU and Georgia, and it just didn't go OU's way at the very end. Um, but everyone remembers that game as you know this is one of the ga- the greatest games we've ever seen. Um, so in that Parker respect, scoop and scored. I thought OU was going to win. And they oh yeah, hard. I think everyone thought like yeah, OU's moving on to the national championship, and then obviously no one could tackle Sony Michelle. So, um, and but or, and, and I mean. The- quarterback from Georgia. No, no more old shit, man. No more. But, uh, oh, no. I mean, I get not wanting to celebrate a loss. There's those people out there and, you know, more power to them. But this is going to be a great game regardless of, of Nebraska's uh, circumstance. So I think it's pretty cool that we're celebrating it. And, and I think, like, bull respect thing that I was talking about, if, if the game of the century was OU in Texas, like in some point in the 70s or the 80s, mm. and OU lost that game, and it was still recognizes, you know, it had all the symptoms of the OU Nebraska game of the century. I feel like probably OU's fan base wouldn't look upon it with such, you know, nostalgia yeah. because it's Texas. And while I respect Texas because I understand how important they are for Oklahoma, um, I fucking hate them at the same time. Whereas Nebraska, yeah. like if, if this was like in the 80s. It's like a mutual I, respect. Yeah, I would I would respect them. Now Nebraska can just go piss up a rope because they're, yeah. they're quitters and turncoats and they deserve everything coming to them when they come to Norman. So they I'll be to, nice to their fans. They tried to cancel the game. Pussies. And then acted like they, they're like, whoa, whoa, Scott we're Frost not canceling like, the game. I, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> my, my God. You were at Stanford for a minute. You got to be smarter than that, man. You'd be surprised. He played safety at Stanford. He transferred to Nebraska. That's interesting. Oof. Oof is right. Um, Talk about a little culture change soon. there. You know, seriously. Palo Alto to Lincoln. Hell yeah. Palm trees to corn. corn. Literally, I, I've driven through those highways. It's straight up corn on the high. It's straight up corn on both sides of the road. It's I expected the Rocky Mountains yeah. to be a little bit more rockier than this. Uh, yeah, in North Nebraska, <laughs> there's the rolling Black Hills in South Dakota, and that's nice to look at. But Nebraska is just straight corn the entire way through, and it's as flat as Kansas. But guys, game week is quickly coming upon us. Like two weeks, right? What are your game day rituals? What do you guys do? Especially oh, for man. Let's, let's do let's do it like this. What's your game day ritual for an eleven AM kickoff? Oh. And what is your game day ritual for a seven PM kickoff? Steven, you get you get to go first. Oh, the eleven one, I'm probably gonna pop a couple ibuprofen, chug some water, um, Probably get a little pre-workout. Maybe if I have coffee, I'll drink some coffee. But I got to wake up. I'm not. I'm not going to be there until about 10:30. So roll out of bed at 10:30, unless I'm going to the game. I'm going to the game. I wake up at like seven. But uh, but if if I'm just watching the watching the game on TV, I roll out of bed like 10:30 and watch it. There's nothing special. That's what sucks about 11 a.m. games. There's no no prep or anything. Oh, yeah. What no about, no what rituals. About, what about seven seven o'clock prime time? Let's say prime time uh, ABC. Oh, you probably watch probably the two thirty game, kind of get kind of prep, prep or hyped up for some football, because um, usually the two thirty game once that's a SEC whatever game, it's usually pretty decent. So, 
um, watch that, get some beers in. Um, if I'm going to the game, head to Norman, run through the tailgates, get into the stadium. Um, if I'm not, uh, usually have some friends over and we'll get the beer bong out and that, that, that sort of stuff. So we'll have some cake, pregame rituals. We'll take like some score. No keg stands. I, I can't do a keg stand because I had shoulder surgery. So mm. it's, it's a horrific sight if I do that. Um, they make supports for that, you know? It doesn't work. That shoulder's <laughs> popping out of place every time. Brady, but, uh, uh, we'll take like a score, score uh, bet or something like that for beers. 11 a.m. and 7 p.m.? Yeah, so like, I got a tailgate like right outside the stadium. Uh, as far as I know, unless OU has, you know, oh, well, because, because of the plague, you know, can't be tailgating around the stadium anymore. It's a shame. It'll be back once the play is over. Okay, whatever. But as as far as I can tell, um, the ritual is just simply waking up and hauling a bunch of shit over to you know campus and put, setting it up. So even for early games, there's that, that time that Steven mentioned that you don't really have time to prep. Like I'm... I'm prepped and ready to go. Like the the menu is a little bit different. You know, we do like try to make like mimosas or whatever mm-hmm. for 11 a.m. kicks, which is basically every game yeah. now. Um, for like a road game like Texas, if I'm not going, that's just straight wake up, watch, have game day or big noon kickoff on, but maybe like go on a jog, go to the gym, cook something, and then just sit down and wait for the game to wait for the disappointment or wait for the anger <laughs> to set in. Uh, Night games, I mean, yeah, if I'm tailgating, that's just nothing but we'll have like two or three TVs and just have every game on that we can find and just have fun. And, I mean, try to remember as much as you can for the memories. But true. if you can't remember them, at least you probably are having fun. So, I I, I typically agree with you guys' 11 a.m. kickoff rituals. I, I Especially Steven. Man, dude, I'm rolling out of bed at like 10 o'clock, and I'm just turning on college game day. <laughs> And seeing what they have to say and typically booing Joey Galloway uh, in his terrible takes or who who picked Baylor to win the conference? Joey it, Galloway. Because Joey. Joey, oh, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if it was Joey or somebody else. Uh, I, I kind of I low key kind of worry about Lee Corso's health. Yeah, he's getting up there. I, I stopped watching college game day mainly because like it's such a it's such an anxiety chore to listen to him talk and it's not because I don't like him, but it's just because don't say something terrible. Don't cuss. And it's just awkward. You know, it's like, just let him retire. Yeah. That, that, like you've got Steve Spurrier. Or let him throw an nothing. F-bomb in there. Yeah. You, you've got Steve Spurrier doing nothing right now. Right. Just let him. Besides easily, talking shit on Texas, which is fine. Let him me. easily transition yeah. over and let him be the next league course. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. I've been calling yeah. for that for like the last five years. Just get Spurrier in there. The dude would be dynamite. Bob Stoops on uh, Big Noon Saturday doesn't do for you? <laughs> you think I when like- uh, OU moves, Stoops is heading to game day? <laughs> That's a good question. Bob Stoops on the SEC network would, would that that would seem like the gross thing, considering how vocal Bob was against the SEC, yeah. and rightfully so. Uh, but propaganda, yeah, the propaganda. Um, that would seem more uh, against one's character than oh, you put the SEC patch on as the team, like as the team in the SEC mm-hmm. than with Bob. So. I don't know. Have you downloaded the Bob Stoops app on your phone? I have. I've watched. Is it good? I've uh, I've watched not all the videos, but I've <laughs> I've uh, got some content in my head. That I like that. that I'm like working that. on so for, uh, a man of many thoughts through the keyhole Patreon page. Yeah, and you better join that stuff. This man works so hard, and he's like the best dude out here. He's everywhere, but. Steven got got Gottlieb though, right? Steven did get Gottlieb. That was just we, off pure chance. And we got some I was some hammering some, uh, some Bloody Marys. Too, I, was, right? I wonder if Doug's going to talk to me today. <laughs> and, and and Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, don't we have some other special guests just kind of coming on pretty soon? It's not solidified yet. It's not it's not finalized, but uh possibly next week we'll have two guests coming on. And uh, I think people would really enjoy it. So are that are familiar with the current playbook, maybe? I don't. Oh, know. you guys got Chris Robinson? It's something like that. Hell yeah, yeah. Those, We're those doing uh... sunglasses. That do they do for me? You know. <laughs> we're do. What were we doing, Stephen? 
Chris Robinson and um, oh, who's the other one? We had a really good player. Who's the one that flipped like their commitment within one hour? I don't know. Like quarterback? No, he was a receiver. He was like committed to OU, then he went to USC like an hour later. Oh, uh, Vilas Jones. Yeah, that's who we need. Oh God, yeah, that became like a meme on Twitter. Like Vilas yeah. Jones is yeah. coming. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Like he's still. I guess he was like the 2010s like Smoke Patterson for like in a, a much smaller scale. The we could maybe get Tate and Martell. We could. We could get. He's, he's busy, dude. He's moving constantly. Always. The that has to be exhausting. Do you think he uses professional movers by now? I hope so. I mean, he, he went to uh, Bishop Gorman. I bet he has to. Have yeah, I think his family's money. pretty loaded. So I don't think he's moved furniture before. Has he impregnated people and just is that why he's transferring? Is he just like running away from responsibility? He, I, he I think he's running away from the playbook. Yeah, that, that's true. It's too hard. Yeah, he just wants that starting job. One of my favorite Lee Corso moments has been circulating through Twitter, which is him in the actual Sooner Schooner hat. I believe the Sooner Schooner hat and him on a mic saying fuck it and just passing <laughs> it off. And Kirk Herbstreak's like, whoa, we don't say the F word around here because Kirk is Mickey Mouse is like, oh, you can't yeah, say that. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's great. But seven, 7 p.m. kickoffs. My God. Sometimes those are kind they're of an fun. ass. So, well, they're fun. They're actually a lot more fun if they're road games. And that's a weird take. Okay. I do enjoy tailgating. But if you're tailgating all day, it is just an ass kicking. You're outside all day. I love it. It's, it's, mm. it's either hot mm -hmm. or it's frigid cold and it's windy. You're in the elements. You're probably loaded on something. And there's nowhere to like really kind of be by yourself and relax or take a shower mm. or something like that. So it, it's definitely something if you're going to tailgate a night game, you got to pace yourself. If you don't pace yourself, it just becomes like hell on earth almost because there's just no escape. You're surrounded by 150,000 people in all directions. You can't just leave. You can't just get in your car and drive home. I'm not looking too much forward to an 11 a.m. in New Orleans, just knowing how humid it's going to be. Oh, yeah. A swamp bass by 10 o'clock. They're making us wear masks fun? in the stadium? I, I, I or, believe so. Okay. Or maybe just as you walk into the stadium and then from there they just can't control that like an outdoor thing like once you're passing yeah. through indoors and you go outdoors you can take it off yes i I, like I, I have no idea um speaking of this year in the hype we, we we've talked about this multiple times this year um who is the freshman that gets the most playing time? Because I saw an image of Billy Bowman, and that dude's triceps had quadceps on him. Are, are, are ridiculous. I was not expecting him to be that big. And Alex Grinch seems to be very, very, very happy with him, along with Justin Harrington, along with a lot of other guys on the defensive side of the ball. Who gets the most playing time out of the freshmen? Is it Danny Stutzman who's been making noise? Is it Billy Bowman? Is it Latrell McCutcheon? Is it Mario William uh Mario Williams? Who makes who gets all the playing time as a fresh freshman? I'm gonna have to easy. go with Mario Williams. Yeah, that, that's, that's the, the easy, easy one. Because it's it's probably gonna happen. And I think in terms of like the classical question of like what freshman probably won't be, I mean, I don't know if Mario Williams is going to start, but he's going to be playing with the ones okay. fairly early on. So if we're talking about a freshman who's not going to start and basically just rotate and who's that going to, who's going to be that kid that gets a lot of playing time with the ones rotating in or the twos. You got to go like, I guess I'd want to say Latrell McCutcheon, but just based on what we've heard from the coaches, I'm more inclined to believe Danny Stutzman because, I mean, Brian Odom is doing Danny Stutzman's stock a disservice in terms of, I think OU fans were, okay, like we're willing to believe Brian Odom, Alex Grinch, when they say we found this diamond in the rough. They've earned that right to go after that type of player and know that it's not just them going on recruiting cruise control. So... At the same time, OU fans are probably thinking, okay, well, maybe this, maybe he'll be on special teams. Maybe he'll make an impact year two once he gets the year under his belt. And now it's Brian Odom's like, uh, this dude is incredible. And so now OU fans are just like all the way up here with Danny Stutzman. So I'm kind of 
I mean, if Brian Mee got on the field early on last year, why can't Danny Stutzman? If Danny Stutzman's every every bit as good oh, as God. as uh, Brian Odom and this coaching staff are kind of describing him to be, then <laughs> I kind of expect like, I expect him to be lost a few times. That position's very hard to absorb in just an off season, but I expect the physicality and the instincts to be there because of what the coaching staff have kind of led me to believe. If I see Brian freaking Mead. Anywhere near the you're gonna be field. drunk on the mead. I'm I'm give going me the to, mead. I'm gonna lose my mind. It, it, Up he, in here, there's no way. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. Does he even have eligibility left? He, I feel like he's been around everybody for like has 10, eligibility 10 years. Left. Everybody has eligibility left from COVID. That's true. The only thing that could have been worse last year is if Landry was the quarterback. Don't worry, guys. I'm coming back for a healthy fifth year. Oh. Oh, down, 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 down seltzers after those wins. Lincoln Ryan, Lincoln Ryan would be like, no, no, you're not going to do that. Is <laughs> Brian Mead on Cameo? Because I would totally just question. pay like 40 bucks for him to talk to Kamiar. <laughs> like leave a message. Maybe do the you intro do, for the podcast. Just, just get it for Eric Swenson. Eric if anybody <laughs> listening or watching has like a list of OU players or coaches that are like former, of course, that are on cameo, please like give me this Google doc sheet. I need to know this. That's important. We, we just, we need to know this. And we got, we got to talk about it. Apparently Eric Swenson has been looking very nice in practice. I'm sure he's a nice man. Once, once again, there's always a good practice player. If he starts, I'm going to, I'm going to throw my chair at the TV. I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm going to break that shit. And does anybody know what's going on with Wanye Morris? The dude has not been practicing. He's been sitting out now. He's there's something, something like amiss. That. He's like we need to put his face on a milk carton. Where is Wanye Morris? Have you I seen his face? It was on a happy face? meal. I was working pretty well. <laughs> it, it, it indeed was on a happy meal. Uh, but I think, maybe. I mean, that was mostly grades and then clearing stuff with Tennessee, but um, I think that's all all been cleared with. So it's kind of a question mark uh, going into what is this the second week of fall camp and he's he's in shorts and just kind of watching practice. Not a good look. This, so. this doesn't concern Tulane. It doesn't concern Western Carolina and it really shouldn't really, it really shouldn't concern Nebraska. Where it concerns Oklahoma is you want your best players or whatever you think your best unit is in terms of the individual talent of each player and then how they collectively gel. You want them out there as soon as possible because it, it does take some weeks. It does take some games under their belt to fully gel. And we've seen very talented Bill Beanbow offensive lines have to take basically until the Texas game to kind of figure things out. And if OU is going to reach their ceiling this year, they need to figure it out a little bit before Texas. So if Wanya Morris isn't able to go – Lane or Western Carolina or what have you. That's you better hope that everybody else gels so hard that all that they're asking Wanya to do is just be the individual badass that you are. Just do your job, and like right. there's really no chemistry that needs to be uh, implemented at that point. And last question in the podcast, and something I've been thinking about a lot lately, actually, because a lot of us have been saying, "Hey, you know, Spencer Rattler." He's the guy out of Clemson, out of Alabama, out of Ohio State. He's the guy that's returning. They've got the offense. They've got the quarterback room. They've got, you know, Caleb Williams there. Uh, they got the transfer from Penn State that his name is escaping me right now because he's not ever, ever going to play. Thank you. Uh, also a, a Bishop Gorman product. And my my, my question and a little bit of a worry and maybe not really a worry but something that I've been just just pondering about is we've been assuming Spencer Rattler is going to take another leap and jump in his production IQ the playbook and play style as a quarterback Uh, we've been under the assumption that last year was Look like looking at Patrick Mahomes before we figured it all out because we all knew Patrick Mahomes was uber talented and is an NFL talent just like Spencer Rattler is. What if Spencer Rattler does not take that leap? If what if I'm not saying he stays the same, but what if he does take a small jump but not a leap in which 
that we are all expecting him to. What in like for quarterback instincts because we know he has the arm talent and uh, in reads because sometimes he holds onto the ball too long. Not sometimes, but a lot of times. If you looked at last year's tape, what's the ceiling of this team? Does that concern you at all? For that, it would be what Big Twelve champions, and then you go into the first round of the playoffs and lose. That'd probably be the ceiling for that team because you can get by with a with good to great quarterback play. Let's say let's say it's just good. It's not nothing special. Um, the rest of this team is so talented that they can carry themselves to a, a playoff game. You think the offensive line is good enough to get them there, regardless of Spencer Rattler's play? In the Big Twelve, yeah. The Big Twelve, they'll. I mean, they'll they'll struggle here and there, but there's no defensive line that's just absolutely just going to kick their ass. Yeah, because it's definitely going to be. It's not going to be Texas. It's not going to be Nebraska. It's. West you could Virginia's say Iowa kind of, State, maybe. West Virginia is a question mark just because this team did not play this West Virginia team right. basically last season, so they didn't get a look at them. So that's kind of a mystery of how this team matches up with them. Mm. Um, but they get them early in the year in Norman, so you like your chances anyway. But the problem is uh, it's the week before Kansas State. And this team, Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch, they're going to they're going to be looking forward to Kansas State. So hopefully they don't overlook West Virginia. Because uh, who's their quarterback? Is it Jarrett Daigie's brother? Yeah, yeah Seth, Seth, Daigie? Seth Daigie. Maybe that's an upgrade over Austin Kendall for all we know. And if they've got something at the quarterback spot, then that could be a tricky game. But um, – I mean, no, like, if they want to win a playoff game, because to me, winning the Big 12 and winning a playoff game, but I then implying losing in the national title game, that's the only low ac- acceptable season okay. in terms of they don't reach their ceiling. Ultimately, they don't reach what we all think they should do is by winning a national title. But if they win the Big 12 and win a playoff game, well, then they exercise some demons. They get some of that monkey off of their back, and they show that they can compete on the big stage with the big boys, and we all know the recruiting, the beat, and the blue chip ratio is heading in the proper direction. That will help that. And if if they lose straight up to a better team, like whether that's Clemson, mm-hmm. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, you know, it's like man, they they just were better. We've just got to we've got to get better. And recruiting is kind of suggesting that they will be getting better. Now, do you expect Spencer Rattler to make that jump? I do. Um, yeah, yeah. I think you have to, just considering uh, Lincoln Riley's future, or, um, history with quarterbacks. Is it because Josh Heupel's no longer the quarterback coach? I, I just, I don't get why there's this <laughs> negative, this negative connotation around Spencer Rattler. It's like, yeah, he got benched last year, and yeah, there were times where he looked bad. Yeah. But any of those times where he looked bad, you could point to, well, there are reasons. They're not excuses. There, there are just reasons. He didn't have spring, summer, fall was kind of weird. It was his first year as a starter. Didn't have the chemistry down with the skill position guys that you would like um, that late in the year. Um, and also, his offensive line was fairly inconsistent early on. They were out of shape to their own uh, admittance. Uh, skill position guys were dropping dimes. I mean, that Iowa State game in Ames, like Spencer Rattler played phenomenal in that game. Yeah. But you wouldn't know it because he had. Stogner missed so he many had catches. Three drop touchdown passes that Obi Obiallo dropped two. Yep. Theo dropped the one. Um yeah, so I mean a lot of the downfall of Spencer Rattler, like some of it is on him, of course. There are some things that I wish he would clean up about his game. But uh, I think second year starter Spencer Rattler with second year chemistry with the skill position guys and the offensive line much better and the schedule is just it's so conducive to them having a lot of success and then gaining confidence as the season goes along and he's been exclusively working with hazelwood theo Wees, and in arkansas from my woods and have all been just apparently on the same page along with the offensive line kennedy brooks apparently looks explosive eric gray is ripping runs left and right which is not too degrade the defensive line the linebackers at all that's just saying Oklahoma's loaded on offense Oklahoma has a shit ton of talent on defense it's getting to the point where the linebackers you need people to graduate Deshaun White you need him to go early because 
Shane Whitley's there. Mead. People think the people think the world of Danny Stutzman. You got Clayton Smith, who's uh, he's going to be a rush edge, but Nick Benito's going to be there. You've got a lot of guys that can play those positions now. And you know Tim Kish, I'm not sorry to see you go. But good old my, Kish. My my goodness, it, just it needed it's, more time. It's to the point where it's just like, <laughs> what could this team have done with Stephen Parker, Ahmad Thomas? And all the other linebackers with Jordan Evans, with an Alex Grinch, with Manuel, a Tim Kish, Manuel Beal. It, it's it's just incredible yeah. to think about what they could have done. And now that they're actually developing real depth on the line, on the linebackers, and in the, in the secondary, to see what all all that happens and what goes into the season. But no doubt, no doubt about it. Like you guys, I am ready to get hurt again by you. You have to some, be. Some You've got to be ready to get hurt if you're an OU fan because that's that's <laughs> that's the game you agree to play, and that's, that's why these seasons are exciting, and that's why when if whenever they win their eighth national title, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be special. So hopefully, it's this year. Well, Brady Trantham, thank you for joining the podcast with us and coming to my house. Oh yeah, our, our dog. My, my, oh, my dog is under the table somewhere. Our dog. And, yeah, he, Brady has been pet, kindly petting my dog under the table for like the last five minutes because he wants attention. But Brady, thanks for coming on. Tell everybody where they can find your stuff because it's easy to find your stuff because you're literally everywhere. Sometimes, yes. But you can't escape me. Tell us. Um, yeah, the Inside OU podcast. You can find that you know anywhere you listen to podcasts: Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever you listen to podcasts. I uh, would just did our Thursday pod earlier today. Um, at Vanessa House uh, Beer Company on Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City. I did that with Keegan Renault, co-host of the Inside OU podcast. Put out a pod every week. Of course, once the season starts, we'll change the amount of podcasts per week uh, because there's actually going to be stuff to talk about. But that's for free. If you want to help us out, if you enjoy what we do, if you want extra OU content that comes with a lot of passion and love and all that weird stuff, then check out our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole. We, we do an extra podcast. It's going to essentially turn into the post-game reaction show uh, during the season, but we'll put out articles. We'll put out interview podcasts, uh, videos, just extra OU content. If you're an OU fan, you'd like it. Keegan brings his, uh, his acumen to the table with the X's and O's, with the uh, connections, uh, some inside knowledge. I'll bring like my crazy conspiracy theories about OU football. I'll bring my history love for the game and the program. And also just I'll cuss a lot because I get mad because 19 and 20 year olds aren't playing perfectly like they should, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course, like we, of they course. should be, they should not be making mistakes. Like exactly. they're better than us. 100%. Right. Exactly. Um, on that note, has anybody listened to the podcast on the prayer yet? The, uh, oh, the, the new, the new one. With, uh, yeah. I, I told, Hall? I told Keegan, him and George Stoyer need to get on that and like, Hey, like, uh, sue him. I might, might be listening to them, uh, talk sooner than later. Who, uh, who knows? You know, I, you know, I, I don't, we'll, we'll find out, but. Oh, one more thing. Cause hi Davis. Davis was at Vanessa house watching us a podcast. He's an awesome guy. Sooner fan four, three, two, follow him on Twitter. But, uh, he wants to know, uh, how to get a hold of you. Um, you can call me at my on my phone number. No, um, you can. Uh, uh, I'll link the phone number in the podcast. Thank yeah, you. In the uh, description, of course. Yeah, Twitter account at Brady Does Sports. I'm the dude with the long, funny looking hair, long haired freak. It's 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 not funny. It, it's it's wonderful. That's Is Vanessa hair, House doing games this year? Uh, like watch parties. Yeah. I th- I think like we've talked about that. Like I I will unfortunately be busy with franchise stuff for the post game at least so i can't be at vanessa house as much as i'd want to be but i'll be tailgating and then have to do home games post game shows are going to be at cohiba lounge on boyd uh, road games are either going to be at twin peaks or the studio all the way in damn near edmund so that's the good thing about all these games being at 11 is we get a talent i get a talent fee a nice cigar and uh get to do radio in front of a bunch of screaming kids walking by <laughs> on their on their way to logies i love it but always a good time having brady on the podcast last time he was here he forgot his water bottle but we won't forget that this time thank you guys for listening once again thank you guys for commenting and following along uh very sexy i really appreciate you guys and helping us grow our our, our content and on youtube periscope facebook etc and we'll check you guys next week peace